Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's my pleasure to be here today with all of you, and I thank you for joining us. Today on the show, I've got two incredible women. Joining us is author Emily Wallace. She wrote her biography, Scarred for Life, the story of how she was abandoned by her family at the tender age of 11 years old and left to make her way in the world. And on the other side of that spectrum, we have Diana Jantz, who is the founder of Hope Ranch Ministries, a nonprofit that helps girls and women find safe shelter, a way out of sex trade, slavery, of human trafficking. And we're going to meet both of those ladies in just a moment. But first, my good news story. I love this story. A craft beer maker in Florida has just created a six-pack ring that feeds animals instead of endangering them. Well, we all know how those little plastic loops get caught in, 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 in the bills and in, in fish, and, and it's just really a horrible, horrible thing. Well, the Saltwater Brewery has replaced those dangerous plastic rings with their own innovation. It's a six-pack carrier made out of wheat and barley waste, the leftover from making their beer. Now, the rings are as strong as the usual plastic ones, but they're biodegradable, and they're safe for the animals to eat. So kudos to you, Saltwater Brewery. And hopefully the, uh, the, the pot makers, the, the you know, soda in the U.S., uh, they'll come together and they'll create a similar, uh, let them take you know, biodegradable waste and, and make, uh, <laughs> make carriers for, for all of the animals. So it's great for everybody. I love it. Well, as you know, on Frankie Sense, we usually align ourselves with the United Nations Global Goals. And specifically today, we're aligning with Global Goal Number 5. That goal is eliminates all forms of violence against women and girls in public and private spheres, including trafficking and the sexual and other types of exploitation. Now, human trafficking is a modern-day form of slavery involving the illegal trade of people for exploitation or commercial gain. Every year, millions of men, women, and children are trafficked in countries around the world, including the United States and Canada. It's estimated that human trafficking generates many billions of dollars of profit, second only to drug trafficking as the most profitable form of transnational crime. That's pretty incredible. And I know that uh, Diana is going to tell us a lot more about that in a moment. But let's meet Emily. Emily is legally blind. She is the mother of six. She's also the author of Scarred for Life, uh, her, autobiographical, um, her autobiographical account of an extremely painful few years in, in her life. I'm sure she's had many more, but the book only goes into a couple. Struggling both physically and emotionally, she tried to make sense of a traumatic event that would lead her to be raped, beaten, and abandoned. Back in 1980, Emily returned home from school one day to find her house empty. There was no furniture and no family, nothing. Her mother had taken her siblings and left, and she left with no forwarding address. Imagine you're 11 years old, coming home, nobody's there anymore. With nowhere to go and a distrust of the system, Emily was about to get a new kind of education, one where she would sleep in abandoned houses, under porches, on the streets, anywhere to stay safe. Hunger even drove her to eat out of dumpsters and rely on the not-so-kindness of strangers. Uh, 
Let's meet Emily, and she can tell us about her, her story herself. Hi, Emily. Welcome. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I, I can't complain. You can't complain? Well, that's a good positive attitude. I like that. You um, yeah. <laughs> really have an unusual story. I, I don't know too many people who, you know, at 11 years old would come home and have their family move away from them. Why do you think that happened? You know, I that's one question I can't answer because it's been over it's been over twenty years and I have not um gotten any type of apology or anything. I, I I just don't know. I can't even imagine um, like you said earlier, I have six children. I can't even imagine leaving my twelve year old, much less my twenty seven year old abandoned like that. So I, I can't even I can't it's it's no reason. There's no reason. And have you ever found your family since? Did they ever reach out to you, your, your brothers or sisters? Yeah, I, I, I found my mother. I was out there for like about um, from 11 to 16 and a half. And then you found your mom at 16 and a half? Yes, I was, almost, I was about to turn 17 years old. And where did, she, where did they go? Well, the only thing she can tell me is that I was, she left me. I was, she, she abandoned me that I, um, my mother had 12 kids. And I'm the only one that she left behind. The only thing she could tell me is that I was a very fast little girl and she moved away because she couldn't put up with me anymore. That's got to be really, really difficult to understand. And are you still in touch with her today? Yeah, I'm I'm in touch with her. I know where she's at, but I doesn't have that mother and daughter relationship with my mom. Right. I mean, you you know, because, you know, for so long, I just, you know, um, when I did get in contact with my mother, I wanted a mother so badly. Right. Um, I, I ignored what happened. Wow. I just kept it all inside. You know, and like have, have you, um, so let's just talk about you're 11, you're going on 12, you go to your neighbors, you ask friends for help. Can I stay at your house? Can I stay at your house? And everybody seems to want something from you. Nobody wants to give anything for free. Yeah, it's it's either either they wanted you know sex or money. That's that's just the way it was out there on them streets. And you so. didn't know anything about sex at eleven. You you hadn't been no exposed to that. No. And, and so no, you I, had these I, older boys like in their twenties telling you you know after one day how much they love you and yes. how, how they want to take care of you, but you just have to lay yes. with them. Yes. And you did. I mean, it, it, yeah, it was it was very hard. It was very hard to. Of um, course, you're you're, you know, so it, vulnerable. It, it was very hard for me to. Um, I, I end up at the end of the day. I I had to make the streets my home. Right. And, and did and you did you, were you hard. able to go to school? Did you know? Were you able to do anything like that? Or what did, well, how did you fill to, your days? I went. I went back to school, but at the same time. Um, I went to a school um, because I tried to go to the school I was going to, right. and um, I ended up going to that school, but I didn't go to my, my regular classroom. And, like, were, um, were you I, able, you know, that, like, the next day after, let's say, like, why did you not think to go to school and just tell your teacher, you know, my mom laughed, like, I've got no home. Can you help me? How come you didn't do that? No, because, you know, why, uh, Tiffany? Because for so long, I thought it's something that I did. Even the next day, 
because my mother, what's happening, what happened here is the, um, my two brothers, the night before my mother left me, uh, my two brothers used to molest me. One was 18 and one was 19. I see. And um, I, I told my mother the night, um, a night before. So um, I, my mother didn't believe me. She didn't want to believe me. She said that I was not telling the truth. She asked my brothers, and they said I wasn't telling the truth. So she more believed the grown men, my grown brothers, over me, uh, what I was telling her. So, um, and, and and that's why it was, I thought it was something that I did wrong. I was so scared and afraid to. And then I, I ended up running across a friend of mine out there on the streets, and, you know, they was telling me that I was going to get locked up. And, you know, I even had a, a friend of mine that I saw uh, was telling me that um, they're going to end up just giving me back to my mom. I, You know, it was just so much. I didn't know what to think. I really didn't. I didn't know what to think um, why I was out there. It was just, I don't know. I, I don't and, know. And no grown-ups came and said, hey, I'll look after you. You know, what are you doing? What's ha- like, they knew that your mom had left, and, and no, nobody in the neighborhood wanted to, could look after well, you? Well, it, it, it was an elder lady and her husband. Um, I, I ended up sleeping up under her porch um, one day. You know, it was a porch like where um, you got a it's stairs, but it's a hole right on the side of the stairs where you can, you know, you can go in and keep warm. Sure. And I, um, I ended up sleeping up under the porch, and... Um, and um, that day, I, I didn't go and ask them for help or anything. I just slept up under the porch. And I waited till they left the next morning. Uh, at least I thought that um, they was gone. I heard them start up the car because I was right there at the driveway in, in, up under the steps. And I heard them start up the car, and I heard the car, you know, start up and leave. And um, so it was a part where I could sneak inside the house up under the, you know, up under the steps. So I went into the little hole, and it led to the kitchen. And um, I went into the kitchen, and I, because I haven't eaten all that day. So mm-hmm. I went into the um, the kitchen, and I um, I went to the refrigerator. I immediately grabbed, it was a pack of um, bologna and bread, and I started fixing me a sandwich. I didn't put any type, any type of mayonnaise or anything on it. I just started eating because I was hungry. Mm-hmm. And I, when I reached for a cup out the cabinet and I turned on the water in the kitchen to get some water, um, I was facing the sink and um, all of a sudden I heard a guy say, who are you? What are you doing here? And I, I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. I, I just got to, you know, talking very fast, telling him, my mother left me. I need a place to stay. Um, I don't know what to do. And But, I, you know, he wasn't gone. His wife had, you know, taken off and probably like about a couple of minutes later his wife came back in the house where she was just starting up a car she had been left i thought she left and um she came back in and and she had me um a banana and an apple mm-hmm. and um then i got to tell her you know her and her husband sitting in the kitchen and i got to tell her i said well my mother left me I, all my sisters and brothers i don't have nowhere to go i really do need some help and, um, you know, the, the elder lady, she looked at her husband, and her, her husband walked, you know, out the kitchen, and on his way walking out the kitchen, I can hear him saying, um, and she followed behind him, and I can hear him saying that, well, she can't stay here. Mm-hmm. She can't stay here. So I think that they more of they didn't want to be get involved. Sure. But and, nobody uh, ever thought to call I, the authorities. Nobody ever said, hey, let's call the police no, or social services, because no. it was kind of like... 
I guess people in your neighborhood didn't like like them. We're going to go to a commercial break um, in just a moment, and when we come back, we're going to talk to uh, Diana and 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 Emily some more. And see, I'm sure that if Diana had been around, <laughs> maybe your story would be a little bit different. I have a feeling, but we're going to find yeah. out. So don't go anywhere. Everybody stay tuned, stay close, because this is um, an incredible story. And this is something that's going on every day right under our noses, every day, everywhere. And it's hard to believe, but it's happening. So here we go. We're going to go to commercial, and we will be right back. No, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Harvey McKay, author of the best-selling book, Use Your Head to Get Your Foot in the Door, includes job search secrets no one else will tell you. Harvey is a true ideopraxist. That's a person who puts ideas into practice. Harvey admits landing the right job can be more difficult than the job itself. And successful people can't have pornophobia. That's the fear of work. But in these economic times, it can be a necessity to make money any way you can. What's a word for using any means to make money? Womo de Kunquais. So what's the best job to have? Will Rogers once said, the best job in the country is the vice president. All he has to do is get up every day and ask, how is the president? It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. It's Frankie Sensen Mori. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. And now let's meet Diana Jantz. She's the founder of Hope Ranch Ministries, uh, which became a nonprofit in 2011. Prior to Hope Ranch being founded, Diana worked with a nonprofit in downtown Los Angeles with survivors of sex trafficking. Uh, she realized that it was a huge task. Uh, to prevent trafficking and care for survivors in the U.S. Um, it needed to happen in every town and every city. And so her vision became more specific, and she took what she learned and found some others who wanted to support her and who also had the same vision to help these women escape slavery. And she went to Eugene, Oregon, and she started Hope Ranch. And so welcome, Diana. Thank really you. Nice to have you here. Thank I you. I understand nice you were born here. in Canada. I was, and I am a Canadian to this day, but uh, yeah. Where where in Canada are you from? Uh, Saskatchewan. Oh, okay, in Saskatchewan. Yep. I'm coming to you right now from Toronto. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but the station is in Texas. So um, 
you said that you had a lot of unhappy and, and tragic things happen in your life. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share a few of those? Well, let me tell you, for example, what actually precipitated me even doing what I'm doing now. And that was about eight years ago when I really didn't know that human trafficking was even an issue in our country. I always thought it was somewhere else, someone else's problem because they weren't anybody. it wasn't anybody I knew. And I thought my life was what it was going to be the rest of my life. I had you know, numerous in, uh, sources of income. I was married. I just kind of did what I wanted and so on. And literally, I say my life exploded because what happened was that my parents died. Um, one of my best friends since I was 12 or somebody significant committed suicide. Oh I actually almost died, lost my life because I was uh, very ill. I lost my sources of income because of that, my marriage. Um, and even my dog died. I mean, it was just like, everything oh and my I, had, gosh. I know wow. I had no sources of income and I actually thought I'm just going to go back to Canada I'm just going to go hide somewhere for the rest of my life well when I got there I realized that that was not what I was supposed to be doing I came back here ended up in LA because I have I had a couple of children down there and so that's one part I mean that's how it got me to this place I mean it was like tragedy I thought my life was over I actually I was suicidal and wanted to end my life and how's your health now? Good. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it took me about a year to recuperate. And then, uh, yeah. Then so you started, ho- so how, how did you get involved then in, in this? Like what put your attention or your, you know, your lens towards trafficking? Just before all of this, which I was describing happened to me, I watched a documentary. I don't watch TV. Mm-hmm. I just randomly, I happened to turn it on and there was a documentary about sex trafficking and I saw, wait, they're bringing people here. And that's all I thought it was. And I still thought it's not my problem. But that kind of woke me up to it. And then when I went down to LA, I just decided to volunteer someone somewhere. I was going to sweep the floors or clean the toilets. I didn't care. But when I got there, they put me on the trafficking floor, which I didn't even know they had before I got there. And that's what really opened my eyes because most of the the young ladies that we were dealing with were American citizens and not that anybody else isn't just as important, but it was just my mindset at the time. And so then when I realized, wow, this is happening here, then I knew I had to do something. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So you, you, um, went out to Eugene I came back here because this is where I have lived probably half of my life. My friend base is here, and I just never dreamt that it was a problem here. I just thought I will come here and start something, and people will come here. But right. then it didn't take me very long to realize it was it's a it's a significant problem here. And how 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 did you recognize these these girls? Like how would you you know go about on the street and go, oh, this person needs help? How would you do that? Well, it's usually not what we do, but I've been around these young ladies for since 2010, and they've I just say they've taught me everything I know because once you learn to recognize it and once they help you understand, it's very, it's very easy to see. And it could be even the, a small thing of somebody not being able to, like if I was walking down the street and there was a girl probably inappropriately dressed for the weather, she might be on the phone. If I said something to her, she probably wouldn't look me in the eye necessarily. Um, just her insecurity because Pimps know, they're, they know 
intuitively because they've been taught how to recognize these girls. And once you learn, you can recognize those of us amongst us who are insecure. I was different things happened to me. And I used to say, I had a sign on my forehead, please abuse me. And it really is like you almost carry a sign once you learn to recognize it. Right. And and I would like to add here that it isn't just girls. It's no, boys, it's boys and too. men as well, yeah. too, that are being sex trafficked. Absolutely. So, um, Emily, would would did you, <laughs> oh, I can't even speak. Would you agree with, with what Diana is, is saying? Like, did you... F- were you afraid? Do, do you think that you walked down the street as a victim? Yes. Yeah, I, I know I walked down the street as a victim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it, it, I, I was afraid. I didn't know what, you know, and it's good that, um, you know, she has that um, type of organization going on because, I mean, if I was, I would have ran across her because I would have got, uh, I would have got some help. But it's, it, like I said, it was it was very hard to be out there on them streets, and I, mm-hmm. you know, I cried many days for my mom to come and get me, but you know, it, it just didn't happen for some time. Diana, how many how many girls have you ever met with a story like like uh, Emily's? Have you met anybody else like that? Personally, I've never met anybody with a story like that. Pretty incredible. I, <laughs> it's it, it is very incredible, and trust me, if I would have run into you, I I would have helped you. There's nothing, it's so difficult because there's a young girl that I've worked with for quite a few years and she was on the streets here and she said, I thought nobody cared. But the truth is, thousands of us care. We care desperately, but it's the connecting the people that need the help to the people that want to help. And that's partly what we do. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. How many many people do you think in the United States are right now are victims of trafficking? You know what? Statistics are really hard. Uh, Some people won't even. What I do know is that 100 to 300,000 youth in our country are vulnerable to being sex trafficked every single year. And they think that that in in um, I think the statistic is something like one out of four within forty eight hours a runaway will be approached by a sex trafficker on the streets. Yeah, I heard that it was in the millions. And you said that where you are in Eugene, uh, that it's that that corridor because of I five is is mm-hmm. um, there's a lot there's a lot of trafficking going on. Like you wouldn't think, I mean, Eugene, Oregon is supposed to be like this, you know, beautiful little place and everything's <laughs> nice. And, and you would not think of, of human trafficking associated it, with, with that. With and you that would area. like to, yeah, you would like to not think that, but is, is it, is it a significant problem here? And just the, it's just like this underbelly of our society. We wouldn't tolerate what other people in some other company, companies, countries do, right. for example, if we saw it, but here it just goes under, you know, out of sight and on the internet. And so we don't see it. And so, you know, unless you really know what to look for, you don't even see it generally on the streets because. But what's amazing to me is that, you know, you've got, you've got these sex slaves, um, but you've also got clients and where are all these guys coming from around there that want, you know, prostitutes that want to pay for sex and why what makes that area so interesting well actually i don't think it's just this area i don't care where you live it's happening if you've got a drug problem you also have as you generally have a sex trafficking problem too and i just know that it's something that's happening everywhere and it's actually a a myth that there's some places where it's not 
Right, right. Um, what about you, Emily? Do you find that um, – are you surprised that there's so many guys that want to pay for, for sex? No, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me, but it's a lot of them out here that is doing a lot of raping also. So right. it, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, abuse is something very strong, and um, it's just I, I'm, I'm grateful to even have um, you on the line and um, Diana um, to even discuss this because I'm so amazed at what she's saying or what she does. Um, because I I do go around trying to speak with kids about child abuse and neglect and abandoned, and I also speak about bullying and domestic violence. Because right. I've been through all three of them, so um, it's, it's very neat, you know. And you just gotta, you know. And before I, um, you know, came on the show, I have to tell you, Frankie. Um, I yesterday I had a hard day, a very hard day. Mm-hmm. And um, in regards to, you know, I got a call from my mom, and um, you know, she she's very very you know, upset about the book and and so forth. And she, you know, wish she'd been new about the book, but I guess one of my sisters really told her something that was inside the book. And um, she told me yesterday that uh, I can just uh, look at that I don't have a mother anymore. And I, you didn't you know, have I, one I was, anyway. <laughs> it, yeah, and, I, and, and you said exactly what my husband said. Uh-huh. Um, and, but it, it really touched me for, you know, a mother to say, after what all I've been through, after what all she put me through for having right. me out there on the streets at the age of 11, right. and I'm I'm grown now, and you still like you know she's still playing. I'm not, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk to you anymore, and you know just. You know, it doesn't make sense, you know, well, you but know it, what it does really make bothers sense? me. Emily, don't let, you know, I, mm-hmm. I can't say don't let it bother you, but as a coach, I'm just going to say your mother is, is playing the victim. She's playing the blame game and she's blaming you for everything that's going wrong in her life. And she's manipulating you. And really, you know, she abandoned you and you made and did the best that you possibly could at the age that you were back then and where you are now. And I think you're incredibly healthy for somebody who's gone through all of what you've gone through. And honestly, your mom left a long time ago. She hasn't been a mother to you. She didn't mother you. She didn't nurture you. And, you know, if you can find somebody or if you have a best friend that can be your mother or your husband can be your mother, you know, that person that you need to give you that hug right now, you know, go, we'll give it to you. Diane and I will give it to you right Mm -hmm. now. But, you know, really like for her to say that to you it's unconscionable it really is yeah it, it is but i i you know i go um twice a week um i i do see a psychologist um good for you and she's a she's a very good psychologist um i'm in a program with michigan commission for the blind so they you know my counselor read my book and she said well emily, i'm sorry should, emily uh, i gotta stop you we're gonna go to commercial break but when we come back i want to hear more about that okay just hang okay. around. Everybody stick around. We're coming right back with Emily and and Diana. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More. Frankie Picasso is your host. Warmed up. Frankie Sense and More will be right back after we pay the bills. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live, the show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. 
having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Spring and summer are great times to go green. Choosing to eat green vegetables and fruit on a daily basis is a fantastic idea. Whether it's asparagus, lettuce, spinach, or artichokes, green produce is a wonderful choice full of essential nutrients. Green beans, broccoli, edamame, and avocados are delicious and very nutritious. Cucumbers, peas, and peppers contain lutein which helps protect against cataracts and macular degeneration. Green fruits like grapes and kiwi not only taste delicious, they're full of antioxidants. Leafy greens are also excellent sources of folate, a B vitamin that helps reduce the risk of birth defects and helps keep our hearts healthy. So next time you're grocery shopping, choose fresh green vegetables and fruit and go green. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. We're back at Frankie Sense and More. Thank you for staying around. We're here with Emily and Diana. And Emily was sharing a story about, you know, her mom and how her, her mother was upset about the book, the mother who abandoned her when she was 11 years old. Uh, Emily's been seeing a psychiatrist for about a year now who's been really helping her, uh, you know, get her head around all of this. And, and when she told her psychiatrist about the conversation with her mother, the you know, the she wasn't surprised. She said, you know, what makes you think that this woman cares about you now when she didn't care about you when you were 11 and just left you, took all your brothers, your 11 brothers and sisters and left and, and left you all by yourself. Pretty crazy story. Um, if if, if um, Emily had found herself in, in your good graces, Diana, what would, what would happen to an Emily if, if Hope Branch had found her? I would have found a place for her where she was safe. And in a family situation, because that's what we believe that I will never forget when I had a young girl in a fetal position in the corner of my car saying, all I ever wanted was a family to love me. And so that's what we provide. And sometimes if we can't help somebody, I find somewhere else for them to be. But to provide a loving, caring, nurturing place for her. So it makes me want to do it now. Actual, I know. Is it a real place? Like, do you have like dormitories and stuff, or is this? Is it just you know the idea of a, of this ranch and and like you say, you go out and you find there's other you know you've got board members, there's other volunteers working with you. Which you you actually place her in a home with somebody? Yes. Yes. Okay. I don't. I personally don't believe in the dormitory style, and even other um, organizations are getting away from that. They need family. They need nurturing, and so we have a small private home, and then we also I also f- uh, find other organizations or other actually families for people mm-hmm. to live with. And then do they come and they meet? And talk with you guys, or I. If somebody placement? calls me, yeah. If somebody calls me, I. At this point, I still personally go and meet them and and help them. 
Mm-hmm. And then I have other people helping me, of course. So Sure. Yeah. Um, Emily, do you think you would have gone to a family if, if you had have, you know, been given the opportunity? Oh, most definitely, yes. I, I would have loved that, yes. So I, I hope there's a lot of people out there that's listening to Diana or any child that's going through something, you know, that's listening because that's very, very important to run across someone like Diana that would be great. I, I most definitely, I would have, that's and what she just said. That's all I wanted out of my life. Is, uh, you know, my mother to love me and I wanted a family just to mm-hmm. love me. I mean, like, I know, I know for a lot of the kids from down East, they come to the bigger cities or, you know, kids are drawn to big cities when they run away from home. And, and as you said, Diana, within, you know, 48 hours, they've been, attacked you know they some leech has grabbed them and said i'm gonna look after you and and really brought them into the trafficking or sex trade and that's really in a different way that's what happened to you emily right i mean you were raped like within the first week i mean you're raped and 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 repeatedly and beaten and you know you your mom wasn't even gone that long yes so, she, she so it's, it's amazing how how these people are drawn to the vulnerable so quickly. And those of us around the vulnerable don't see it. How are these people so able to attach themselves to these young people so quickly, and yet the rest of society doesn't even notice them? They hang out where they know they're going to be. They hang out where the runaways are. And that could be at, um, well, in our, pl- in our town, it could be around the bus station, the library, um, train stations. They just go where they are. Missions, food places. Yeah. And again, so if you're listening and, and you want to help, what, what can we do? What, what should we do? What would you girls suggest? Go ahead, Emily. I'll go next. Well, if you're listening, first you should try to get in contact with Diana or any type of organization to help with child abuse, neglect, and abandoned because that's very important to go out and get help. Um, don't keep it in. Speak out. Never be afraid to speak out and um, try to get help because, that's, like I said, that's very important to get help. And you don't want to keep anything inside for a very long time. Because it, 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 it hurts more. It hurts a lot more. So, you know, just get out mm-hmm. and get help from a teacher, police officer, child protective service, anybody you can go to, even a friend. If you can go to a friend to, to, um, to get help, you know, go to that friend and see, can you get some type of help to help you? Back then, though, Diana, you were afraid to go to the police. Why was that? They, you're, you were told what? Well, I was told, first of all, I thought it's something that I did wrong. Right. And um, and I was told from a couple of my friends that, um, you know, that I'll go to jail. Um, you, you know, you're going to be locked up. You're not going to get to go to school. A lot of different stuff that which I was told, even mm-hmm. from, you know, the grown man that, uh, you know, ended up raping me, uh, was telling me no one is going to believe you. Um, if you tell anybody, I'm, you know, it was to the point that, you know, a lot of stuff just was, it had me scared, afraid. I, I mean, if I knew what I knew today, most definitely I would have found the organization of something like Diana's to get get some type of help. 
So how could how could a how could a Diana or me or anybody come up to eleven year old you and ha- have you believe that you're not going to go to jail? Have you believe that we're going to look after you? What what kind of words would you would you have accepted? Well, you know what? When I was eleven, honestly, Tiffany, I um, I lost trust in people. Mm-hmm. To be honest. That's a hard question, Canada, to answer because I lost trust in people because a couple of people was telling me that they would help me or they would do this. Even, you know, a 28-year-old man, I would help you, you know, in the morning time, I'll uh, I'll call the police or try to get you some type of help, and, and that didn't happen. He just mm-hmm. raped me and beat me. So at that time, I, I ended up losing a lot of trust for people out there on the streets, and it's badly, but I, you know, I finally... You know, did get help, but um, I I was really scared. I didn't know what to do. And a lot was of people was it that beating that, that where you lost your eyesight, or was that did that come later? I, I that can't. I, I was. I don't actually. I was hit in the eye um, out there on the streets from a twenty eight year old man. Yes, I was. I was told that I was hit in the eye too many times. And while I was out on the streets, I probably was hit in the eye more than four or five times. And then when I did find my mother, my brother jumped on me also. And that's oh when I goodness. seen all the, all the colors, red, white, and blue, and green. When he punched me in the eye, and I, 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 my, I just went, my eyes went, you know, dead for a minute because I seen all them colors, and and I messed up. That I think that was the last draw to be hit in the eye. It caused me to lose my sight. Wow. Do any of your siblings talk to you, or any of them kind to you? One of my sisters, okay, um, <clears throat> speaks. You know, at one point they all was talking to me, and so I, like I said, for eight years I I didn't tell anyone. I just kept it inside. Sure. I, I, when I found my mother, I was so happy to have a mother. I was so happy that you know to be back there, you know, with my family. I I kept it inside, but I do have right now none of my siblings is not talking with me. Um, one of them, one of them. Um, I don't understand why she's not, because she's upset, saying I shouldn't have told anyone. But my mother lost her from the state of Michigan. After my mother abandoned me and left me a couple of, you know, maybe about a year or two later, my mother lost her child, my sister, to the state of Michigan, because she went to her teacher and told that my two brothers was molesting her in the home. Wow. Yes. Do you think, do you so, think that you would ever get your brothers charged with that? No, actually, no. my two, um, the two brothers, um, is just passed away. Oh, okay. Yeah, Diana, do you have any questions for for Emily? Feel free to ask if you have any. Okay, I'm just listening with rapt attention. I know. I just you know, Makes because it heartbreaking. She, there are other many many other young boys and girls on our streets being mistreated in different ways, not necessarily like her, but they are there. Mm-hmm. And I just urge everybody to reach out to a nonprofit or somebody in your cities or your towns to ask them how you can help. And then even if it's something small, if we all did something small, it makes something big. Mm-hmm. Because And the other thing I would really encourage people to do is to get to know the kids in your life, whether it's your neighbors, whether it's in church, because abuse happens there. Yeah. Um, Everywhere it happens in school and really get to know the kids in your life and and communicate with them and look them in the eye. Because if you do that, then when something goes down or something, they want to talk to somebody.
somebody they're going to trust you and they're going to come to you. And even however far-fetched it sounds what a kid tells you, you have to take it seriously. Exactly. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Ben, I'm going to bring you on for a second since we have three minutes before break. Come on and tell us about this cafe you're telling us about. Okay. Um, here in Tyler, Texas, we actually have oh, wow. a, um, a coffee place. That okay. It's called yeah. Grounds Go for ahead, Drug... We lost you there for a second. Oh, sorry. It's called Grounds for Justice. Grounds for Justice? Okay. And what they do is it's more than a coffee place. They have uh, other retailers there, but they um, part of their proceeds actually go to help help people that with human traffic or that have been human trafficked. Wow. That's awesome. Perfect. And, yeah. And do they and do they give it to an organization like Diana's or do they have an organization, do you know? I'm not 100% sure. Um, I know the church that I go to, Spring United Methodist, they also do a lot and help out with that. Wow. Well, you're not too far from Texas, um, Diana. <laughs> no, not that far. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard I'm of- wanting to get our own coffee shop started here because one of the hardest things we have is finding jobs often for survivors. Oh, yeah. Good idea. So you could have a place where they can work and learn how to run a business and yep. all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, like Bon Jovi's doing with his restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. That's a great idea. Well, thanks, Ben. Thanks for telling us about that. Not a problem. I appreciate that. Yeah, um, we're going to go to break in, in, in one more minute, and that's going to be our last break before the end of the show. Um, so thank you all for you know, sticking around and listening and continue to stick around and listen because we still have another, you know, 20 minutes or so to go uh, with Diana and Emily. And it's just such a fascinating story um, that that trafficking is going on, that Emily was abandoned when she was, that there's so many Emilys out there and so much bullying going on and fear. You know, it's, it's, it's horrific, the kind of fear that these um, master manipulators can, can, you know, instill in somebody to make them stay people always wonder why do abused women stay well they stay because of fear that's why they stay and it's real it's real fear for them uh imagined or not you know if they're going to do it or not it's a threat and threats are scary we're going to go to a break right now don't go anywhere we're coming right back uh don't forget this is the year of the woman and we are going to have equality frankie sense and more we'll be right back after we pay the bills If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, marlatabaka.com. 
That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A dot com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It's a fact that it's never too late to start a strength training program. Lifting weights is an important part of your overall fitness routine. Harvard Medical School says that muscle tissue and bone density dwindle over the years. Muscle power does also. These changes open the door to accidents and injuries that can compromise your ability to lead an active and independent life. They state that strength training is the most effective way to slow and possibly reverse much of this decline. As you age, you do not have to get weaker. You don't have to be feeble. You don't have to lose your balance. The good news is the risk of these problems can be reduced by a fitness routine that includes strength training. So no matter what your age, you need to be pumping iron. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. And we're back. It's Frankie Sensen Moore. And my guest is Diana Jansen, Emily Wallace. And here we are. We are going to give you the um, email and the web address for Hope Ranch in case you want to go and visit that. It's www.hoperanchministries.com. And if you want to reach out to Diana or anybody in the ministry, I guess you can go to info at hoperanchministries.com. If you want to order uh, Emily's book, Scarred for Life, there's two versions. There's the uncut version for adults, and you would order it and go onto Amazon and look for Tina Smith. And the if you want to share it with your children, you can, you can buy it from Emily Wallace as the author. So there you go. That's right, I, right? Yeah. I think we said it wrong. Oh, I said it wrong? Okay, go ahead. Straighten yeah. us out. The, um, the uncut version is under Emily Wallace. That's for adults. The clean version for kids is under Tina Smith. Got it. Okay. So Tina Smith is the clean version for kids. Emily Wallace is the uncut version for adults. Yes. And she tells it like it is. So get the clean version if you, have, if you want to share it with your children. Because it's important to share with kids because, you know, how many times do your kids say, oh, I'm, I'm leaving. I don't like it here. I mean, my kids used to, I had a son who was always going to go, I'm leaving. I want another family. And I'm like, what family wants you? Who do you think? What, you think you just walk out and you know, families open their doors to you or something? Um, and he had it so great. He really did. But, you know, kids always do that. I, I, I ran away 10 times down at, at the corner. <laughs> and wait for my dad, you know, and come back. But sometimes kids really do run away, seriously. And, you know, they think they're invincible, they're young, they don't know the dangers of what, you know, can befall them. And here you have real life examples, two ladies who know only too well what can happen to a child uh, or a young adult or boys and girls, boys and girls, you know, um, when they run away from home. And even if they don't run away from home, if they're not careful coming home, you know, I know uh, here where I lived, there's a uh, a young boy, 13 years old, a big a big boy too. Um, he was, you know, just murdered on his way home. He was abused, sexually abused, and then murdered on his way home. And it can oh. happen. And so we need to make sure our kids are safe. We need to tell them about predators and dangers. Uh, what what awaits them? You know, we don't want to have scared children, but you need to have streetwise children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Now, Emily, you've got six kids. Tell us about how you met your husband. I'm really, I'm really fascinated because he sounds like a great guy. I, I met my husband, actually. Um, I uh, met him through um, a friend of mine, actually. I, I met him through a friend of mine. Um, I met him, on, you know, she was um, um, talking with one of his friends. And um, I talked to him on the phone for, like, before I even met him because I was so, you know, I was so afraid of people from going through all sure. what I've been through. And I talked to him on the phone before I even met him for, like, about nine months. Okay. And then one day I decided to, he, his, his family was running a candy store um, in Highland Park. And um, I went into, the, he didn't know I was coming. He told me where he worked at and everything. And I went into the store because I wanted, I wanted to see, I was curious. I wanted to see how he looked. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I went into the candy store and I, um, and I just, you know, I bought up some cookies. They was like, you could buy five for a penny. You get, I mean, you pay five cents and get five cookies. Sure. And I bought those, and I seen how he looked and everything, and you know, and how polite he was. So you know, one thing led to another. Um, before we got married, um, I, I we stayed together for like about six years, oh, wow. and then we decided to get married in ninety uh, ninety five. I've been with my husband; it'll be twenty seven years, uh, July eighth. Well, congratulations on the longevity. Yes. <laughs> yes. And your children yes. obviously know your story. And yes. how old were they when, when you told them your story? Well, I didn't. I, I told my my kids my story right before 2010. Oh, okay, before the book. I didn't, I, before the book. And they, they the one suggested that, Mom, you should write a book. You can help a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I, you know, I, I started going around speaking, saying my speech to, you know, at the Boys and Girls Clubs, um, uh, at um, junior high school, high schools, different different places going to uh, speak. But my kids really was very, very shocked. Um, my uh, my oldest son, this um, 27, he was like, um, he, he, he don't like being around my mother. None of my yeah. sisters and brothers. Either he's, he's very upset about it. And, um, you know, a lot of my kids didn't take it well. They just couldn't understand it. You know. Had they met your mother before they heard the story? Yes, they did. Oh, they had. But wow. They they they, they had they had met my mother before they you know heard what happened. But I'm always been careful if I go to my mother's because for so long, like I said, I ignored it for eight years. Sure. But if, you know, my kids will have to be right by my side because before, you know, like I said, before my uh, my brothers passed away, you know, they used to be at my mother's house still, and I didn't want. My my children. I didn't even want a pedophile even looking at my child. Sure, of course not. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I you know I kept them by my side every second, but I didn't tell my husband. I didn't tell my husband when I first got with him, right. because I like I said, I and my husband found out in two thousand ten also. But we got married in ninety five. I I didn't tell him um, because of I, I didn't want to lose him. I didn't want him to sure. Um, I didn't want him to say, uh-uh, I don't want no part of that. You know, yeah, I didn't want yeah. him to do that. I, you know, I wanted to be with him. And, you know, and I didn't, I didn't want, you know, I just didn't want, I, I knew you didn't he was your a good guy. And I to, to, yeah, follow you. And that kind of brings me to another question for you, Diana. How dangerous is what you do to you personally? And those that, that work with the, uh, that try to get well, into traffic? 
It could be dangerous, um, and it probably is. I don't walk in fear, mm-hmm. um, probably partly because of just my temperament and who I am, but I am careful and I am cautious. I know that I have friends who do what I do, who their lives have been threatened and they get, uh, you know, phone calls and different things like that. But I have actually never heard of somebody that works with survivors that has lost their lives. And like one of the young ladies that I've worked with told me, they're not interested in you. They just want us. They just Mm -hmm. want us back. But nevertheless, there, you know, people are threatened and, and etc. But I've never known of anybody. But it is, I mean, I we are careful. It is, right. it is dangerous. Yeah, I'm very careful. Because wow. there's not any girls that I've ever worked, probably most of the girls that I've ever worked with say that they've seen somebody's life been taken and or their own lives have been threatened and they feel very lucky to be alive. I imagine. I imagine. I mean, you have to think of it. You're taking, you know, what they say, it's a billion dollar industry worldwide. Mm-hmm. So you're taking millions of dollars away from somebody mm-hmm. and, and they're going to be a little bit ticked, um, <laughs> to yes. say the least. Although, unfortunately, they're very easily replaceable and that's right. probably part of it. But yeah, yeah. It, wow. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's something you need to be careful about and... There's certain places I wouldn't go at certain times, and I actually stay off TV. I, you know, I don't do things where I get my face out there. Right. Yeah, and that makes sense. You know, I, when I was in Mexico recently, the police came um, on our boat, and we thought, oh my God, they're there with machine guns, and their faces are covered, and it's kind of scary. But they do it because they don't want their families retaliation against their families. Mm-hmm. If something mm-hmm. happens, so it makes perfect sense. You know. Um, so thank you for doing what you do. You know, I don't know how many times you get thanked, but I'm going to thank you publicly <laughs> you're, for doing what well, you do. You're today. welcome. I think that's pretty amazing. Um, you know, yeah, and, I, and I, I want to say the same thing, Diana. Is, I mean, what you're doing is great, very great. I mean, I'm like, wow. And it's, 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 that's really something, something good. It is. Well, thank and, you for saying that. You could save a lot of kids. Well, we work at it, and and the truth is, you know, I I mean, even now, you telling your story, it just makes me want to throw my arms around you and say, if I would have been there, I would have helped you. But, you know, it's, if you take any um, solace or comfort in that, that there's thousands of us that would have helped if we would have known. And, you know, I like that you're going out and you're doing the work, too. Emily, you're going out mm-hmm. and trying to save these kids and speaking, you know, to the different groups that you're speaking to and sharing a very, you know, horrific, traumatic, um, courageous story. I mean, really, kudos to you for having the guts to talk about it and say it because, you know, that's nobody wants to nobody wants to say what you say. Nobody wants to say my mother abandoned me. I got raped. I got beaten. Nobody wants to talk about that, but you are. And so, you know, God bless you for doing that and for being so, you know, as I said, courageous enough to share that story because, you know, that's real. That's as real as it's going to get, folks. That's harder and, than what I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, and it's amazing. Yeah, it, it took me some time. It took me over 20 years to be able to um, to speak out. And and if, if, if possible, um, does you have an email? Because I... I couldn't write down the um, the I'll address and everything. Washington. Yeah, we'll my, do it again. Again, it's hoperanchministries.com is the website. Go to www.hoperanchministries and info 
at hoperanchministries.com. And it's on the show, and you'll be able to listen to it playback later if you forget. <laughs> so okay. we can do that. And again, you know, if you want to get Emily's book, Emily Wallace is uh, the clean version. No. Yeah. Was that right? <laughs> ah, I got confused again. On the, the the uncut version is under Emily Wallace, but the right. clean version is under is Tina, Tina Smith. Smith. And okay. and also I didn't I didn't mention it, Tiffany. The kids can get it free. They can send me an email, and I'll send oh, them a copy. Okay. So if what's your email? Give us your okay. email because we we didn't give that out. My email my email address is author a u t h o r Tina T I N A Smith S M I T H at gmail dot com. Is it any child out there? that wants to read my book and hear my story, you can send me an email. And I have to, you know, I have to tell you, I have to get an okay from your parents to read it. Even though it's a clean version, it's a powerful book. And right. you guys can get it for free. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. So author Tina Smith at gmail.com. If you want to read Tina's, uh, you know, Emily's book, if you're a parent and you want your child to read her book, um, you know, have them send, send you her email and she can, uh, send you that book for free, which is very generous. Thank you so much. We've just got a minute left. If either of you have something that you you know you you didn't get to say, please please share it now. Can I can I share a little of my speech for the um, the kids so we have enough time, Tiffany? We've got one one minute and less. Oh, okay. So we probably don't have much thirty time. seconds now. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank still. you, thank you, Frankie, for what you do too. Just thank you for having us, and it was thank so you, great Diana. to hear you, Emily. This was amazing. You're listening to oh. Diana Jantz from Hope Ministries, HopeRanchMinistries.com, and Emily Wallace from A Scarred Life. And I want to thank both of you for being my guest today. Thank you, Ben, for producing the show. And all of you, thank you for coming back each and every week to listen to our shows and to download the shows, especially downloading them, because we really, really appreciate that. Take care, everybody. Have a safe okay, week. Okay, thanks we'll be back a lot, next Tiffany. time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.